Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Dugout.uk football podcast. After a couple of brief episodes in January about the transfer window, we are back and we are looking to get back to regular schedule programming. As ever, I'm your host, Ollie Coulson, joined as ever by my co-host, Lee. Lee, how are we this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks, mate. I'll be better if England were better at cricket, but that's just part of life, isn't it? Death, taxes... And England being shit in test matches. Uh, everything. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're not. But we're not here to talk about cricket. We're a football podcast, so let's get into the football news from the past week or so, um, and we'll kick it straight off with Leeds United because last week there was obviously the change, and I can see Lee almost crying already on Zoom. Um, Marcelo Bielsa departing after three and a half years, um, a promotion back to the Premier League after six, first time in sixteen years, um, sacked. Um, with the club at risk of relegation after a mu- after a month in February, where they conceded twenty goals, um, oh. and they've replaced him with Jesse Marsh, uh, formerly of RB Leipzig, RB Salzburg, and the New York Red Bulls. Um, so you kind of get a sense of what sort of coach he is. But before we talk about Jesse Marsh and how his first game went, uh, how do you feel about Bielsa's exit, Lee? Uh, it's obviously an emotional time at Leeds United, um, um, yeah. and a lot, and there's a lot of different opinions around it. Uh, so, what's yours? I think um, my opinion at the time was, "Oh my God, what do they think they're doing? What manager's going to come in and kind of solve the problems we've got?" Like it seemed, I think a lot of the attitude from fans was, "We either might go down with Bielsa or we will go down without him." Seemed to be the um, attitude at the time that was largely my opinion um, until I started looking into Marsh a bit more but um, I just think it was how it was handled and a bit more's come out now and obviously you can never fully know whether these people are telling the truth but some fairly reputable sources have said that Bielsa knew on Thursday of that week that he was going at the weekend regardless and that he, you know, he had a replacement coming in, and apparently at half time, three 0 down to Spurs, he just sat in the corner of the dressing room, didn't say a word. So uh, it's quite, you it's know, quite a sad end, isn't it? Really, yeah. I always, I always find it quite sad when there's a story that the manager's been told he's getting sacked regardless, and then he still has to go and manage a game. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it, you can it, we very it. much looked like a team who knew the manager were going to be sacked. To be honest, in that yeah. game, yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't a game that went well. I think he deserved, um, he deserved the opportunity to leave, or at least for it to be publicised as him leaving, rather than him... Sacking. So, they've not used that phrase, but it's very clear. Um, it's, it's, it's very clear it wasn't mutual. Live by the sword, die by the sword, and he wasn't going to leave mid-season, because in his post-match yeah, exactly. after Tottenham, they said um, they asked him if he were confident he could keep us up, and he said yes. So well, it's not like Bielsa. he was, you know, not answering questions. He was just carrying on as normal. But yeah, that's just Bielsa, isn't it? You know, um, he were, um, on the Sunday, that was the thing that really got me was he's been fired, whatever, he's lost his job. And on the Sunday and Monday, he was still meeting fans outside the training ground, yeah. signing shirts and stuff. Um, and apparently he's still in Leeds. So um i don't know there's a lot of talk of fans wanting him to get some big send-off but i couldn't think of anyone who would want that less than marcelo Bielsa. yeah you know yeah. He, he wouldn't go if he were invited yeah i mean and, I and, i'd be telling him to get fucked if i were him yeah and <laughs> and leads and leads said at the end of their statement uh that he's, there'll be some sort of permanent tribute um it would be nice but 
you know, we, we've had this conversation. A lot of people are saying he deserves a statue, and it's like maybe he does. But Howard Wilkinson doesn't have a statue, and he got Leeds promoted and won the league the year after. So, yeah, there's levels yeah. to it in there. But I think a nice, I don't know, maybe something at the training ground or something like that for him would be quite. Yeah, nice. I mean, in my opinion, I think something at the training ground would be far more suitable because. I mean, he, in his time at Leeds United, is the man did upgrade to that training ground every single oh, year. It's ridiculous. We, we even have the exact same pitch, not just dimensions. The same people laid the pitch at the training ground as they did at Ellen Road to the exact same specification for him and stuff. Like, he's mm-hmm. properly developed that. But um, no, I, th- that, I think that's... his time, if the board were going to sack him, it had to be done now. Yeah. In Before January. We were saying we look like we're in a bit of a dangerous position. We were saying, oh, but we've got a couple of winnable games coming up. Everton and Newcastle, loss, loss, you know, ship 20. I mean, I expected zero points from Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham. Didn't expect to be conceding 20 goals in that month. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what was the final nail in the coffin, really. A, a, a defence can't stay up if they're conceding that many goals. And he seemed to lose the dressing room a bit. Mm-hmm. Rafinha being a moaning bastard, you could just tell when he were on the pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been so annoyed at him for about two months now, but he's he's just turned into a lazy Brazilian. But um, I'm hoping that's going to change now because he does seem a lot. Mm-hmm. But a, moving a lot happier. on, but moving on to passages new. Uh, Jesse Marsh come in, obviously coach um, with Red Bull Legacy um, has done really has done really rather well. Um, at, uh, New York and Salzburg um, won coach of the year in the MLS. Um, I think he's what he's had like the most wins in MLS as well. Um, led them to the league title or the supporters shield as they call it over there. Salzburg won the, won the domestic double of the cup and league, which obviously Salzburg do every year. And he has stacked as fuck team. Um, but still it's, it's still a good mark on his record. He's got a good record of player development. Obviously, his time at Leipzig didn't go too well. Five wins in 14 games, uh, which is which concerned a lot of people when he got announced as Leeds manager, um, his recent record. What do you make of Jesse Marsh? Um, don't talk about the Leicester games. We'll get into that in a bit more detail. Yeah. But what were your kind of initial impressions of Jesse Marsh as Leeds United manager? My initial impressions were probably more positive than most because I'd seen a lot of his team when he was at Salzburg, you know, that exciting Minamino, Huang, Harland, Harland front three was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I remember the game against Liverpool, um, 3-0 down, made it 3-3 and ended up, I think it were a 4-3, lost that in the end, wasn't it? But the football on display there were very similar to what we play under Bielsa, when we had the ball at least. Mm-hmm. Um He's, there'd been a few articles on the Athletic and stuff about him potentially being lined up as a summer replacement, which he's confirmed since was the plan. He was going to be taking over in the summer, um, but obviously that hasn't happened. And um, a lot of the stuff I'd seen about him in those articles, how he plays, um, seeing videos of, and I know it seems daft, but. Bielsa wasn't the most personable manager. I'm sure you get that impression from his press conferences. (laughs) Um, You know, probably not the most approachable, whereas in there were a video, and I think it were when um, it were New York Red Bulls beat Chelsea, and it were Chelsea's pre-season, I think. 
Um, but, you know, his massive team talk afterwards and like at halftime against Liverpool in that documentary about that Salzburg team. Um, and he just seems like the kind of guy that the players could probably do with at this point, you know, in a bit of a, a bad run of form. I don't think a manager who's not necessarily approachable is the kind of person you need in. You need someone who's going to talk to them, motivate them. And um, it seems like that guy. And his tactics aren't too much of a, change in terms of obviously Bielsa's uniqueness in the man-for-man marking no one else does that but mm-hmm. the, the principle of winning the ball back quickly and when you get the ball you know we, I think his, his style is a lot less about possession and a lot more about hit them quickly while they're not expecting it a lot of like Bielsa's play was you know say Furpo runs on passes back to Harrison he passes inside the pass back out you know trying to fashion an opportunity whereas in Marsh's football does tend to be a bit more player percentage ball into the box you know get into dangerous spaces and hope and um, to be honest I think when you're not one of the better teams in the division that's probably a better way to approach games um so I don't know at the time I wasn't completely sold on it because, but I think that was more the emotion of Bielsa leaving and everything feeling a bit wrong. Um, but after his first interview and stuff, kind of calmed down a bit, looked at it rationally, mm-hmm. and um, was quite excited for the Leicester game. Yeah, and obviously, um, speaking of the Leicester game, you've had an opportunity to watch uh, Leeds playing the Marsh now. Um, I didn't really watch much of that game, haven't even watched the highlights of it, uh, so I can't really say too much. Commitment the, to the cause. Yeah. Um, I had more important things to worry about this weekend in terms of fixtures. Um, but um, what did you make of the game? Obviously, 1-0 loss. It's not great for the app for staying up, but um, <laughs> other results went your way, shall we say? Yeah. Um, particularly Everton, but we'll yeah, get, we'll, we'll get yeah, on to we'll, that. We'll, we'll get on to that because uh, we not we can't avoid that. Um, but other results go other results go in Leeds way. It kind of neuters the loss a bit. But yeah. were you impressed with how Leeds played? You, can you see the changes that Marsh is trying to implement? Yeah, um, he, he kind of set up in and he said something very interesting after. Oh, sorry, just before the game was. It might be viewed as a 4-2-2-2. It might be viewed as a 4-2-3-1, but that's not of any importance to him. It's more about the principles on the pitch, mm-hmm. which immediately in my head I was going, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again, another one. <laughs> but um, no, we um, it was a bit of a... It was probably a 4 triple 2 we ended up playing um, with Rodrigo and Daniel James up front, which I assume would be Rodrigo and Patrick Bamford under circumstances where everyone's fit but um yeah it, it were a lot better defensively i mean the five minutes you saw must have been that chaotic five minutes just after kind of the 10th minute where it got a bit end-to-end but generally in that first half we were we were fairly sound at the back um i thought pascal strout were going to get himself sent off at one point when vardy got in behind him but thankfully luke Ealing somehow has developed legs in the past 48 hours and um <laughs> managed to track back <clears throat> to a covering position. But um, it seemed a lot more measured. We weren't chucking everyone forward. We were almost forcing Leicester to play long channel balls by just keeping a flat bank of four in front of their back line. They had no one to, to kind of pass to. And as soon as it went to a fullback, that was when we were hitting them. And I think 
he calls it pressing the ball, not the man. So <clears throat> everyone kind of shifts over to that side of the pitch. And you, I think the principle is essentially that if you're not the one pressing the ball, you're halfway between that man and the next pass, if that makes sense. So you're always halfway to get there if you do need to go and press again. Um, and we did win the ball back quite high a few times. And his new narrow system seems to bring out the best in junior football, apparently. I mean, he had a brilliant game. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever said those words. Not while he's been at Leeds. I did when he did the job on Mbappe. <laughs> one time. At Barca. But, yeah, um, one time. But since then, I've, I've not had much good to say about him. But um, no, he, he was brilliant. Um, you know, Rafinha getting himself into more dangerous central positions, which a lot of fans were calling for initially anyway, for him to kind of move into a number 10 um, role. But I think this system that Marsh has put in perfectly suits him, you know, just kind of in that right-hand channel where he can sit between the centre-back and the full-back and cause a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um Again, we were we were absolutely dominant, but Harvey Barnes has scored four in four against us. So you know we had to score a goal no. because Harvey Barnes was going to score against us at some point. And it ha- and that's exactly what and, happened. You know, Rodrigo smacked three probably out of the ground. Casper um, <clears throat> Schmeichel turned up, which he only ever does against Leeds because he has a burning hatred of us because apparently the fans were awful to him by saying your dad's a cunt, but you're all right. You know, I think that's I think that's a compliment to be honest. I, I, to be honest, I think that's fair. I think but, it's a fair um, comment. I think that's an entirely he, fair comment. He always puts in a performance against us. And to be fair, if we were playing any team that didn't have Schmeichel, I think we'd have been three 0 up before they scored. He pulled off some brilliant saves, mm. and yeah. it was just very tight defensively. It was best xG of the season, and our second best xG against. So we weren't conceding too many big chances. Well, we didn't concede one. Harvey Barnes just knows how to finish from the byline. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good skill. I mean, I can't do it. But, um, you know, um, we were very, very unlucky not to come away with something. And I think now the crowd of the fans have seen how he plays, seen that it's not too dissimilar and seen what, you know, that we aren't going to fall apart under him any further than we already were. Um, I'm hoping at the Villa game on Thursday there'll be something to get behind and hopefully um, hopefully a result. I mean, we need we yeah. need some at some point. So yeah. Three I points mean, against Villa would be lovely. I'm I'm lo- I'm lo- I'm looking through you know Le- Leeds's please recent do it. recent history. <laughs> um, by the time you come to play that game against Aston Villa, it will have nearly been two months since a win in the Premier League, um, which is just... That were a 3-2 away from a Jack Harrison hat-trick. It wasn't convincing. Yeah, which is just horrible. Um, uh, But, yes, I I think Leeds are going to be saved by the fact that there are still worse teams than them in the Premier League. Leeds... Yeah, um, Leeds are Good still enough. Leeds are still very much going to be safe because of that, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, look, looking at the relegation battle, not Norwich on seventeen points, Watford on nineteen, Burnley on twenty-one, Everton twenty-two, Leeds twenty-three, Brentford twenty-seven. Um, 
you know they're the they're the you know, they're the handful of teams that are probably most at risk. Um, and whilst Leeds have lost five in the last five, and Everton have won one in the last five and lost the other four. You just well, that get one the, Leeds. Yeah, it was. It was the Leeds. It was. Uh, uh, you just get the feeling looking at Everton, and they've got a really tough run of fixtures as well. And you'll be keeping an eye on this. And the way the way they played against Tottenham, fucking hell, man! <laughs> fucking hell, man! I mean, yeah. it was just, it was just. I think what what did what did Carry say? It was a Championship back four. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's yeah. not wrong. Yeah, true. Um, he. My biggest joy of that game was that Frank Lampard had said the week before that Leeds being 3-0 down at half-time to Tottenham, you know, was one of exposed some of the flaws in Bielsa's um, set-up only for him to literally seven days later be 3-0 down at half-time to Tottenham. It was beautiful. And I don't know why they brought him in. He was never going to be a manager that were going to save him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we've we've thrown a lot of shit Frank Lampard's way, and he's proven us right on every single one. I mean, we we <laughs> last we last talked about him properly when um he was being linked with the Norwich job. Yeah, um, yeah, and and we and we said then, well, why why would you go to Norwich? That's just it does nothing for your managerial career. He's gone to Everton, and, and there was a lot Norwich of Norwich hiring because there's nothing for Norwich there either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. And and he's and he's gone to Everton and he's and he's and he's walked into and to be fair to him it's a chaotic club they always have been every every other season they're at risk of going down don't give him any credit but the but the but they've hired <laughs> a manager who is probably going to take them down for the first time in seventy years which is just that'd be wonderful it would be funny I it said before be... them to finish eighteenth and us seventeenth would be better than us finishing tenth. <laughs> Just because it would be Frank Lampard's Everton that saved Leeds, it'd be such a wonderful story. Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard's Everton, Everton going down. I but mean, you, know, you can, you can he see seem it. To have any tactical brain, I mean, uh, the I, setup was more attacking against Tottenham away than their past few games. It's like, what, what are you? Yeah, I mean, thinking <laughs> when when they when they played against City the other uh, the other week. And we came into that game having lost to Spurs the week before as well, because Spurs had counterattacked. Everton drew that game with you. Let's be honest, Ollie. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got the three <laughs> points. We got the three points. But we came, we came into this game off off, off off a loss against Spurs, where they counterattacked us and had done it ruthlessly. And they were brilliant. And they were brilliant and deserved to win that game. City just couldn't handle it. And Everton thought, well, the best way to stop City. He's doing what every team does against them, and put ten and put eleven men behind the ball and not counter. And it nearly worked. And it nearly and it nearly got them and it nearly got them the, the nil nil way badly craved and Phil Foden popped up with a goal and then. Well, it should have gone a whole month, shouldn't it? Let's be honest. And and, and, the, and then Rodri's shirt sleeve saved him. Um, Being honest and saying that it should have been one one. I'm, I'm saying it should have been one nil. The right decision was made by the referee. Off the record, Ollie has a different opinion. Off, 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 off the record, I was <laughs> laughing and enjoying the moment. <laughs> um, but I mean, that should have been that should have been a warning to Everton of what can happen when you, you know you play against when you play against a team who have so much quality on the counter. If you leave the spaces, they will get at you, and that's exactly what happened to them against Tottenham. They got absolutely done on the counter by Kane and Son, and it serves them right. The warning is there with it. the warning is there with Tottenham. They do one thing and they do one thing really well, and that is counter with Kane and Son. And now Kulusevski. 
Yeah, and now Kulisevsky, who is an absolute demon. Um, he's a brilliant. He's a brilliant player. But I, I look at Everton's fixtures. I think they've got Wolves I next. See where their next wins coming from. They've got Wolves next. Who I think that's a difficult team. That's probably going to be a draw. They've got Newcastle after that. And Newcastle are in just shit hot form. They're a club on the up. They've got the morale. They've got everything. They, they can probably. They can probably. You hope so after spending ninety million. Which <laughs> be fair, you? Uh, well, we just better get used to Ever- uh, Newcastle being big spenders. Um, but it, the thing I find quite funny with Everton and Newcastle is Everton is this club who's spent you know five hundred million pounds in the past few years on players, and have spent it completely wrongly. They are the perfect example to Newcastle of what not to do with money. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're, they're, they're not without the money either. Let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. Quite a bit. And... Exactly. Uh, and then you know they've got they've got that they've got a horrible run in April of West Ham away. Man United, Man United at home. Ah. Uh, they've got Liverpool away. They've got Chelsea at the end of April. They do have and three the, games in hand that are fairly nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got they've got one of them's against Burnley, who just draw against people for. A yeah, but I mean, yeah. but I, but Burnley being in their own shit, they'll I want think, to try and get a win there. I think that's the advantage for us. Is I would always rather have the games played than have the games in hand. Yeah, I always yeah. get the points. I mean, I mean, what, what was we, it? Really we bit? pick up points against Villa this week, where I can probably see us getting a draw. We've then got like Norwich, Wolves, Southampton, Watford. Mm. Points. I mean, I'd, ra- I'd rather be in our position playing them and have the points on the board than in their position with, you know, having a mm. load of tough games coming up and then having to. Yeah, win. I mean, we what? saw the problem with uh, games in hand with Tottenham a few weeks ago. Yeah, they had they had three games in hand and lost them all. Exactly, the or, or dropped points in them nothing. all. And if they'd won, if they'd won them, they'd have been top four and they'd have probably been become the favourite for top four. All but, games in hand mean that you have worse fixture congestion than everyone else, mm-hmm. especially in the mm-hmm. running. I mean, I, I mean, so you look you look at Everton. They've got you know they've got a couple. Of, they've got at least one game in hand on everyone around them. Uh, apart from Burnley, it's two for everyone. Um, and I just look at them and I just think I don't see where I don't see where you're going to make these points up. You know, you know, it's it's it's, it's obvious they'll pick up some points at some point in the sea in in the towards the end of the season. They'll pick up a, probably pick up a couple of wins somehow. You know, maybe if they get very lucky, they can pull off a draw against you know the likes of a Chelsea or Man United. Because Man United are poor, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about them in a Ralph's second. Reds. <laughs> um, Ralph's Reds, Reds. Um, but I think if we if we're to put mo- if we were to put money on it, we put money on you know being Norwich, Watford, and Everton going down at the moment, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, I but, think but, especially but, because, and I know it does didn't show in the result, but I in the performance, I saw the new manager bounce start under as you know just that kind of everything mm-hmm. settles down a bit and starts to get a bit better. You know, mm-hmm. if Thunder Bielsa had a back just to get thumped against Leicester, how they play. So, yeah. I mean, we've, we're adapting. I think it looks on the up for Leeds. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, we look at Leeds and Leeds do have a, couple, a few tough fixtures themselves. They've got City, they've got City at home, they've got Chelsea Arsenal. at home, they've got Arsenal away. Um, but, but we equally know. do have what they don't have, which is a few winnable games coming up. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Aston Villa that can that is an interesting game because you never know what you're getting with Aston Villa. 
Um, Norwich. Three, I don't know if you caught it. Us and Villa the other month was just absolutely ridiculous. Everything about that game was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, we'll talk more about Steven Gerrard and how he's got on at Villa at some point in the future um, because it's been an interesting time. But, you know, I think people, one, I think people once looked at Aston Villa and thought, okay, this is a really difficult game. And now they probably look at it and think, okay, here's a chance to get three points on the board. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, they did win 4-0 at the weekend against Southampton. Very yeah, but but, South, um, Southampton are another one of these teams that you just never know what you're going to get from them. It's just... Coutinho is just such a cheat code. I know. It's, we, uh, it, it, if Coutinho want on... The, you take Coutinho out of, their, get out of the game, we played against them and we win that game 3-0, they don't touch yeah. us. Coutinho, it's fun having him back in the Premier League. It must be said, it is fun having him back. It's really fun when you're not playing against Aston Villa. Exactly. exactly. Every time he touches the ball and I look and I think, oh, at least Luke Ailey. Oh, oh. It's Ailey versus Coutinho. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, um, yeah uh, we'll just, and we'll look, and I'll get Bernie's fixes up just for, you know, final comparison. Um, they've just aren't good. The, the only thing they have going for them is Vout Veghorst being massive. Yeah, but that's all they really need. <laughs> it's Burnley. Okay, nil nil and set piece. Yeah, nil nil set piece or just a decent cross from Blake McNeil. I mean, they've got Tottenham what away. Dream, isn't it? <laughs> they've got they've got Tottenham away, City at home in their fixtures. But aside from that, I look at it and think. On Burnley's day, they could pretty much win most of those games or get points out of most of those. I'm games. just glad that we played against them before they signed Veghorst, so we could yeah. go ahead of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> not. I'm. I'm I, January. I don't look forward to Turf Moor at the best of times. I'm not looking forward to it as part of this title running. Um, straight after five nil win, surely. Straight straight after the inter. Oh, it's five, It's always five nil at the Etihad. Apart from this yeah, season, the annual five nil drumming yeah. at the Etihad. Yeah, it's yeah. always a, it's always a good day out that. Um, and it's speaking of Peacock Farrelling goal as well in it for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But speaking of good days out at the Etihad, well, Manchester City definitely had one of them on Sunday in the Manchester they derby. Out at their own ground. Yeah, out at their own ground. Um, it was a day out. It was a day out for the United fans from Buckinghamshire. Who you know after a, after a four or five hour train journey arrive in Manchester, watch their team get battered, and get told to fuck off home. So yeah, I mean I mean let's break it let's let's quickly break it down before we just start laughing. Four um, one win for City, two from Kevin De Bruyne, two from Riyad Mahrez, Jaden Sancho uh, returning to the Etihad, um, as many United fans heralded. He scored a counter attack goal, did fuck all else. Um, I don't even think he celebrated because um, he knew what were coming. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, his his famous tweet from when he played in City's academy, saying "football is blue," with a picture of him in a City kit from four or five years ago, did the rounds after the game, um, and rightfully so. Jaden Sancho still knows, even though he's a red, he knows that Manchester is very much blue. Um. But yeah, let's let's. I mean, some of the stats 70, 70 to 30 on possession, and that was obvious. And I mean, United did have a spell in the game, um, for about 10 minutes in the first half. They looked a decent counter attack inside, it's where pretty much all their chances came from, all their shots came from. And then Kevin De Bruyne turned up in the box again, put another goal in, 
and Can from there, find it bottles small games, but turns up in the biggest games, doesn't it? He's just got like a big game gene about him. He's just, I don't know what it, it's like. He flicks the switch. He's, he just plods around in a game against fucking Norwich or whoever. Yeah. But and then, just to clarify as well, Man City had five more shot, five times as many shots as Man United, six times as many on target. Oh no, sorry, other way around. Six times as many off target, I think. Yeah. Uh, five times as many on target, four times as many blocked, hit the woodwork, and had sixteen more shots inside the box than yeah. Man United. Um, Manchester United created nothing in the second half. Their biggest chance in the second half was Jao Cancelo pouting one back over his own bar to get it out for a corner. <laughs> that, that um, if they want it. <laughs> and it, and that ball just kept rising and rising and rising. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it just speaks. Uh, I mean, a lot of people said after the game in their post-match reviews that it shows the gulf between these clubs. But this golf's been there for a long time, and City still haven't. And this is still City's first home derby win. It's since uh, 2018, and it's their first. If you ignore that game, it's their first one for I think something like eight years before that, or it's eight. It's either eight derbies or eight years. I can't actually remember which it is, but it's a ridiculous record of failure almost at the Etihad for City. And then they turn up, and for once at the Etihad. Etihad, they play United off the pitch and they just barely got out of first gear as well. Yeah. Um, just a curse. It was just, it was just, there, it was just fantastic. And the atmosphere in the Etihad was just brilliant. It was like, a, it was a party. I mean, when you're getting, when you're getting posited by the family stand and there's flares <laughs> going off in the family stand, you know, you're a bit shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to talk about, Turning round and bouncing, you send knobheads. It's not an American sport. We don't get to him. Uh, I don't. I don't think you can be the one calling things American <laughs> after who you've just hired as manager. Hey, I haven't heard him say the word soccer yet. He still has my respect for now. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it. Well, that just summed up the game. Sky cutting away from the game to show the city fans had given up even watching it. Yeah, just <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna bounce around and have a good time. Um, you were part of that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Of course, it you was, were. It was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. I thought I what were really funny was the whole idea of that's that they're not meant to be looking at the pitch, but they're zoomed in and everyone's bouncing and they're like trying to look around the shoulder, making. I mean, sh- I mean, I mean the, 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 the Poznan started as kind of a joke <laughs> a, a, a long time ago, and it almost it came like out against pro- Leeds at six nil. I know that. Yeah, I mean, it, it started as like an almost, as like an almost sort of protest, I think. Um, yeah, against the club, and then it's just become like this great celebration of the fans getting together. And it's come back this season, and it's been it's fucking hilarious. City fans just taking the piss. That's what yeah. it is. I mean, I mean that is that is how you know. Look at a... us and our players and our money. You can all get knotted. You're all shit. We're, we're that we're that good. We don't even need to watch our own team play you anymore. Because <laughs> we just know we're better. Hey, I, I bet you wouldn't have done that in the first couple of minutes, though, would you? Until Absolute, that in absolutely deep. fucking not. Absolutely fucking not. I was sat in that ground shaking. The nice record sat- to strike off, though, isn't it? Your um, home record against Man United. Yeah, it's a good. Way, it's a good way to get it kicked off. It settles the nerves, that sort of thing. Yeah. But even even when they scored, I thought we'll win. We'll win this. We'll win this. The players looked up for it. They got overconfident. Um, 
Yeah, United just thought United started to play better than they thought they were. I mean, if I think if they started with a five at the back and just sat back in a deep block, nil nil, it'd have probably been a nil nil or a one nil at best to United on the counter. Um, but everything just went against him in that game from before the game even started. I mean, look at all the issues that have come out with you know Ronaldo apparently having an injury, then flying Ripping back to himself Port- out of the game. <laughs> yeah, and then flying back to Portugal. Edinson Cavani being out, Rafael Varane being out, Luke Shaw being out. Which of those are an advantage to City and which of those are an advantage to United? We'll leave it to you, the listeners. Oh, all of them were an advantage to City. In fact, I'd still be scared of them if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were all advantage United then missing, to be fair, weren't they? It, it, it very much felt like it. Um so it it was just it was just really kind of a good a good good game, um, and it's one that has put United in the mud. They now sit fifth in the table with a point a point behind Arsenal, uh, and I know we've just been rubbishing games in hand, but Arsenal are sat fourth, a point clear of United. They've quietly just been winning and being very yeah. They, they, everyone's looking elsewhere. Yeah, everyone's just kind of ignored Arsenal, and suddenly they've crept up to fourth, got three games in hand. And it's like, well... It just... does eat his words a bit, actually, hasn't it? Because yeah. remember he... our opinions on their transfer business. <laughs> My particularly scathing take on the Ben White transfer as well. Yeah, but Ben White got absolutely done in. Tommy Asu, he got done in by Cave Solokol on Sky when he signed for Arsenal. Yeah. Saying he'd been offered around the entire Premier League and no one had said yes. Other um, than Arsenal. <laughs> other than Arsenal. But um, perf- he's a perfect player for him, isn't he? He likes to play that kind of auxiliary back three kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've seen it a bit. We've see, we seen Pep do it with Jao Cancelo. He moves him inside now and again and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's very much obvious Arteta has taken heavy, heavy influence from Guardiola from their time working together at City and how they set up their team and how they want their yeah. teams to play. He's just finally realised that he isn't Guardiola and he's set up a bit differently. Yeah, and he's and he's had to actually adapt it to the plays he's got and now he's got it working and it is quite nice to see. Because and I think even Pep had him in his list of five clubs or four clubs which play attacking football. Yeah, the, the five clubs which play attacking football. that anymore. <laughs> uh, what was it? L- Liverpool, Arsenal... Villa, Leeds, and Brighton, and Brighton. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> mean, big dab on everyone else, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, when you're getting told by Pep Guardiola, oh yeah, you don't play attacking football. Um, you know, especially, <laughs> especially to Ralph, especially to Ralph Ranić, who you know is seen as like the godfather of pressing. In fact, in that case, he definitely wouldn't think we play attacking football anymore <laughs> because half, Jesse Marsh is just an American Ralph Ranić. Yeah, I mean, he was Ralph Ranier consistently. Yeah, apparently, um, well, I say apparently. It's the same thing with Pep and Bielsa, isn't it? One of them learned a lot from the other, and the younger one adapted and changed and became better, while the old one didn't. Mm -hmm. Seems to be what's Mm -hmm. happening, at least with um, Marsh. He he doesn't play exactly like Ranier did. No, and... um, He's he's a bit too dogmatic. The whole Micah Richards thing were brilliant. Him and Gary Neville. I've never seen such a pure nibble on live TV. It was brilliant. It Neville. was br- it brilliant. Because because I, I was sat waiting for my train back home with Twitter blowing up about uh, Gary Neville and Micah Richards. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this when I get home. Got home, found all the clips, put it on. And I was just like, 
Just like ranting it. and being emotional. Fuck off, um, Gary Neville. <laughs> I, fu- I fucking love Micah. And if you vi- get his words out, then maybe mm. he can... Um... And, the, and, the, and the video of Micah celebrating with City fans through the window of the TV studio and stuff yeah, that like that. Brilliant. Just, that oh, I love the boy. I love him. He's, he's just... I do. He's, he's, he's from Leeds. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a Yorkshire boy, isn't he? Funny enough, apparently, he's um, Ilan Melia's landlord. Interesting dug out <laughs> fact of the day. <laughs> to be fair, I have heard that Micah has got a fair few property investments. He said he something was... on, I think it was Match of the Day, and they were like, can the goalkeeper do better? You were like, I better not say anything. He lives in one of my houses. <laughs> yeah, because I know, I know he's David Silver's landlord for a bit as well. Yeah. Uh, which is like just... Micah, very genuine. Yeah, he's he's been a breath of fresh air since he's joined the punditry game. Getting rid um, of all the old wash-ups. Yeah, and it, and it's just great to see him winding up Roy Keane. Like that video of him, Roy Keane goes on this impassioned rant, which he's playing. He's playing up to the cameras oh, as well. The one where he laughs and has to apologise, and then just bursts out laughing. <laughs> I mean, I think that, that that for me sums up City and United more than anything else. Yeah. Because, you, you know, especially not... my favorite Micah Roy Keane moment is the, um, you know, the Roy Keane doing all the daft FIFA celebrations. Oh, yeah, shown in the video. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it's just, it's just really good to see United fans getting so wound up week after week. Rashford wants to go now, Ronaldo's off in the summer. You know Pump what? Was off in the summer. A year ago, they said Leeds fans are pathetic for thinking they have this rivalry with us. We've now stopped giving a toss about anything they do, and they're all over our Twitter, our club's Twitter posts. The unfinished club yard. It's like, well, well yeah, we, we understand you've been dragged down to our level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just so pathetic. Yeah, they're just so ridiculous. It's so funny. It's so uh, entertaining. And again, it's the um, it just comes back to the old adage that um, and I mean, <laughs> I I hope we don't have any Man United fans listening to this because we certainly won't after this episode. <laughs> it goes back to the um, the old um, Chelsea's fans rant about transfers and stuff outside Old Trafford. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember what the channel was. I'm not going to repeat what he said because we'll be. No. But um, it was the one where there, there was some Man United fans walking behind him, giving him some shit, and he went. Home fans there on the way back to Peckham. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it just about sums up. I mean, that away, I've never seen an away end empty quick enough. But then again, the last train to London was not that was not yeah, that far they, away. The lock city fans in the ground, don't they? And let you let you have your party there. Yeah, we have a bit, we have a bit of a, we have a bit of a party. We have a we have a bit of a boogie. Yeah, the yeah, um, yeah, course. Bus, the bus, Man United. That were yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Oh. It's just fun when we beat them. It's just really fun. I mean, and that, and this this is the first time we've done the double over them in a couple of seasons, so it's even nicer. Is it the first time they haven't done the double over you in a couple of seasons? <laughs> they did. They they did it in what nineteen twenty, <laughs> in the league, in the league, and we beat them in the cup oh, in the, the Carabao. And then last last season, what was it? A draw, a draw at Old Trafford. We lost at the Etihad, but beat them in the Carabao Cup at Old Trafford. Then this season. Rock but Old Trafford probably should have beaten them 5-0. They come to our place and it probably should have been about 7-0. I'd have loved to <laughs> match that 7-0 scoreline. That would have just... Oh, I would have, lo- I would have loved it myself. It's just really good to see them being absolutely shit and they've still got Liverpool to face, which, yeah. you know, isn't good for our title race because it's going to be a 10-0 win for Liverpool. 
but you know, it's good. It's, it's good for the neutrals because it's, it's keeping the title race close. It's, it's it's good. It's good for the neutrals, and it's good because everyone just enjoys laughing at Manchester United. Yep. Because that's what you get when you hire. Message of the dugout.uk football yeah. podcast. Yeah, that is the key message of this podcast. And I think that is a good place to leave it there for this episode. <laughs> um, so as, as I said right at the start, we're going to be trying to return to regular scheduled programming. Um, next week, I don't know what we'll be talking about yet. Probably probably a bit on the Champions League, actually, looking at. Looking yeah, ahead to the so, quarterfinals because we we'll have a few. have a special guest on next week. As yeah, well. we'll try. We'll try and get a guest on. Um, and yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, I'll ask if Lee's got any final words, but I doubt he has. No, I don't. Stop asking me that question. <laughs> no, very good, very good. Um, I'm not going to do any any American xenophobia like we did on the first recording of this episode. <laughs> Um, in my DMs for the past two weeks yeah well that's what you're going to be getting for the rest of the season and probably for the rest of his spell at Leeds mate but anyway thank you so much for listening to the dugout.uk football podcast and we'll see you again very soon